Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you. If you'll turn in your Bibles to the book of Joshua, one of the young ladies that was to be baptized today had some problems about getting here, and so we're just going to postpone everything until a, a couple, three weeks from now, and we'll get both the lady, young ladies here uh, together. Uh, the, the one, Brooklyn, who was down here in front, just tell you about Bible school. Uh, and I'm a fan of Bible school because I was saved in Bible school 61 years ago. And uh, a year ago, Brooklyn uh, made a profession of faith. And this year, uh, she, uh, I believe because of the Bible lesson dealing with Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist, said she wanted to be baptized. And uh, Lakin, the young lady that was not able to get here, uh, the same re reason. But uh, Bible school, she was saved in Bible school, and a lesson of Bible school encouraged her to be baptized. So uh, I'm thrilled that that happened, and uh, we'll celebrate that all at a, a, a date, hopefully two or three weeks from, from now. Uh, we are in the book of Joshua, chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. Uh, this is the last message out of this marvelous book. We've been in a journey from basically the first of the year through Joshua. Next week, we're going to start uh, the book of Galatians, and that'll take us through the end of the year. So, uh, marvelous adventure. Uh, this passage we're about to read is Joshua's final challenge to the children of Israel. If you recall, last week we mentioned chapter 23 was his challenge to the leaders of Israel. And this one is to all of the people. And it's a, a beautiful passage of scripture. Uh, possibly some of you have part of this as a plaque setting on your house somewhere on a wall. Or uh, I know at one time I did. But let's read these two verses. Chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. He says, Now fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if the serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, but for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Now, King James is the one I have that memorized in, but it says, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This morning, every one of you is going to make a decision. Every one of us, including me, is going to make a decision. We're going to make a decision on who we serve, or whom we serve, or what we serve. The Lord so chose through the Holy Spirit to have Joshua state these words to the Israelites and then to us today. Who or whom are you going to serve? And before you walk out of here today, every one of us is going to make a decision whether we're going to serve the Lord or we're going to serve something or someone else. You have a choice today that's yours. 
Joshua, if you were to go back in this chapter and then into chapter 23, he makes a, a reference to all the wonderful things that the Lord had done for the children of Israel in the past. The challenges that they've faced. And here again, as he reviews what the Lord had done for them in the past, and talking about the lessons that they had learned, he encourages them to make a choice to serve the Lord for the rest of their lives. You and I have had lessons in the past, all of us. Even from the youngest to the oldest, we've had lessons being taught to us. Spiritually speaking, we've had victories and we've had failures and defeats. But the past teaches us lessons. Now we cannot get hung up on the past. We can't live in the past. We're not to stay there. We're not to just keep celebrating what God did for us yesterday. Or keep the failures of yesterday, keep us from serving the Lord faithfully today. But the lessons of the past teach us many things. Everyone in this room that knows the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior will say to, can say in one way or another, I remember the bondage that I was in when I was living in sin. I remember those days. I remember the heartache that I experienced because of sin. I remember the days when alcohol had a control of me or, 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 or drugs or, or lust or, or you name it. There's so many things we could put there. I remember what life was like when I was motivated by hate or greed, gossip. You name many other sins. We can remember the, the broken relationships that were caused by our sin, our bondage to sin. The pain that we not only experienced, but we caused others to have. We must never, ever forget where we came from in our spiritual journey. Because if we forget, we're liable to repeat the same sin again and fall back into bondage. Just like the Bible talks about the dog returning to his vomit, going right back to where he came from. And if we, again, forget where we came from, we're liable to end up having no compassion for another that we see having been entangled by the same sin that we were tangled with at one time in our lives. Someone who has been bound by Satan's lies and living in sin. Joshua, when he was addressing the children of Israel, understood that sin is attractive. He, he understood that the, the human heart is pulled towards sin. We lean towards that. We're born with a sinful heart that wants to express itself. So here in front of us is Joshua's final message to the children of Israel. He knows that soon he will die. And he is encouraging the Israelites, the people of God, to serve the Lord. Because the Lord would bless them if they remained obedient to them. But if I read between the lines carefully here, I, I think I see Joshua seeing that he saw Israel was kind of wavering at this point in time in their lives. 
The, the, the false gods that were around them and that they knew earlier in life somehow were, were looking good to them. They were looking to the gods of the Amorites and the Canaanites that were living around them. You see, he mentioned two particular types of, of idols that they worshipped. Those that were beyond the sea, those that they knew in Egypt. And some of them who were young knew the idols of Egypt and the gods of Egypt. And the others looked at the idols of the Amorites and Canaanites around them. And I believe Joshua understood that they were thinking of hanging on to those gods and worshiping those gods instead of the God who created them and called them to be his own. So here at the end of his life, he challenges Israel to serve the Lord. And with that, he is challenging every one of us in this room to serve the Lord. As I said, this is one of the great Bible verses in all of scriptures. I believe you will notice there that first of all, Joshua tells them that it is a choice that you have to make. It's a personal matter. It's your choice today. You will choose one way or another to make the Lord Jesus Christ the Lord of your life and the God of your life and leading your life or you will choose to remain the same or to serve another God of your own making. It's up to you who or whom you will serve. Joshua understood that all people worship. Everyone has a God. Atheists have a God. If you've ever spent much time with anyone who considers themselves an atheist, you will listen to them long enough and they will tell you that they worship themselves or they will talk about science or or money, or their intellect, but they look to something or someone as God that they have set up in their own heart and mind. But Joshua says, make up your mind to serve and worship and make God the one and true God, the creator God. And it's a choice that everyone makes. It doesn't happen by accident. We who call ourselves Christians have chosen Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior. I hope that's most of you in this room today. That was a choice that was made through the Holy Spirit working in your life and revealing you to the, the truth of the Word of God that Jesus is the only Savior. You made a choice to receive Jesus as your Savior. There was a battle going on in your life, but the Spirit of God enlightened you and convicted you that Jesus was the way, the only way. But the battle goes on. The Israelites faced it over and over again. You might know the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel, one of my favorite passages of Scripture out of 1 Kings chapter 18. Verse 21 of that text says, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow Him. But if Baal is God, follow Him. There was a choice that the Israelites were making that day on Mount Carmel, just like the Israelites were making that choice when Joshua spoke these words, and just like you were making a choice today, who is going to be or what is going to be God in your life? You go to the New Testament, and Jesus continually called people to follow me. 
when he called Philip, John chapter 1, verse 43, his words were, come, follow me. Peter and Andrew, Matthew chapter 4, come, follow me. I was listening to a preacher not that long ago who said he likes to call himself a Christ follower instead of Christian because so many people call themselves Christians they have no idea what the word means. And, and I understand that. We are called to follow Jesus Christ. Je Jesus says, come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Again, the call to come to him and find rest for our souls in a world that is selling us or trying to sell us to follow sin. He is still calling people. He's calling people in this room today, young or old, male or female. The Lord is calling you to follow him. Jesus says, follow me. Choose me. Jesus, God in the form of man, came to show us what God was like. He came and provided salvation for us. He came and paid for our sins. The Bible tells us he actually became sin for us and is willing to give us his righteousness. And his call on you today is to follow him. And it's a choice you're going to have to make today. We don't get salvation by accident. We don't get it by birth. We don't get it because we have a certain form of religion. This church is a Baptist church. I don't know what your background is. doesn't matter. But no offense, being a Baptist doesn't give me any privilege in God's sight. I have to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. Our good works are worthless. The Bible tells us that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a promise he's given us. You come to understand that you're separated from God because of your sin. You understand that he died to pay the price for your sin. You repent of your sins and you ask him to save you. He will do it. He's promised you and I that. When the Spirit of God speaks to our heart, we make a choice to follow Jesus and let him take control of our life. Now, there's a verse in the Bible that I consider one of the saddest verses I've ever heard. It's found in Acts chapter 13, verse 46. It's spoken to the Jewish people, and it's read, it reads like this. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, We had to speak the word of God to you first, since you've rejected it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life. We now turn to the Gentiles. Did you get that? They rejected the gospel. They rejected Jesus Christ. They did not consider themselves worthy of eternal life. I don't know about you, but that makes me sad. It breaks my heart to hear that. But I, when I realize and I look around at the world in which we live in today, it's really not much different today, is it? We live in a country... The greatest country in, in history, in my opinion, where there are more churches preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, the pastor is preaching it as clearly as he knows how to tell the world that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes into the Father except through me. That Jesus Christ alone is found salvation. That there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. 
That message is going out over and over again here in Aiken, South Carolina, and the state of South Carolina, and the United States. That message is going out week after week, service after service. Churches are faithful to preach Jesus Christ. Christians are living faithfully in front of their family and friends. Churches are proclaiming the gospel message. People are telling the good news. And people do not consider themselves worthy of eternal life. People are still choosing another God. They're choosing, seriously, they're choosing hell over heaven. And I, this is not a message on hell, but I am con convinced that one of the greatest evils of hell is that God and goodness is absent from hell. Is, is absent, yes, absent from hell. Nothing good ever happens there. And again, let me emphasize, today decisions are being made. You are choosing who is going to be God of your life. Who will you worship? You will have to decide that before you leave. I am convinced every time I preach the word of God that the spirit of God is speaking to hearts, telling you to choose Jesus and to choose him now and do not put it off any longer. And I want to just encourage you, do not put it off any longer if Jesus is not your savior today. Now in this text, Joshua is talking about not only does everyone make a choice, but he has made a choice, if you notice that. He is choosing to serve the Lord. He, he's saying in, in my English, I don't care what anybody else is doing. It doesn't matter anything else. I've made up my mind. The Lord is going to be my God. Joshua, the leader of Israel, was making it very clear that they were going to have to make a decision. They were going to have to put their faith in someone or something or some God. And he says, the best God is the only God, our Lord. Jesus came into this world, God in the human flesh. I don't know how all that works out. It doesn't matter. I don't have to understand it. I just know that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. He taught us how to live, showed us how to love, taught us what salvation is like. And we have a choice. And it's a personal choice. No one could make that choice for Joshua. Only he could. I can't make that choice for anyone in this room today. Only you can. I can't make it for Diane. I can't make it for any of my children or my grandchildren or great-grandchildren. They have to make that choice to have put Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life and let him be the God of their life. I have known people who have walked the aisle of a church, joined a church, even been baptized because that's what mom and dad wanted them to do or grandma and grandpa. It was the thing to do. But see, Joshua said, for me, this is my choice. This is what I'm going to do. I choose to serve the Lord. The Holy Spirit, God speaking to hearts right now. Choose Jesus. You know, there's a lot of terms in the Bible that talk about what it means to be a Christian. I've used the word saved here a couple times. It's even in the text. I love the word or term born again. 
Jesus talking to Nicodemus out of John chapter 3. It's also used in the term of becoming a new creation. We talk about it being a spiritual birth or being saved. And, and I, I don't care what words we use. I don't even mind the term a follower of Christ. But what we have to understand is that I cannot change my status with God by anything I do, by any works, by any religious activity. The only thing I can do is choose Jesus to be my Savior and Lord and put Him in charge of my life. And when we do that, our sins are forgiven and we become a child of God. Now there's something else interesting here. I'm going to almost contradict myself for a moment, so take it in light of how I say this. See, Joshua also said, for me in my house. He was choosing to show his children and his grandchildren and encouraging them to follow the Lord. He was saying, I'm going to teach my family what it means to follow the Lord and serve and choose Him as God. I will explain to them that they are a sinner in need to be saved. That they are condemned because of their sin. Not, that's just a natural state of a human being. I'm going to teach them that they need a Savior. I'm going to teach them that they need Jesus Christ for themselves. So Joshua is saying, for every ounce of energy I have and every ounce of influence I have, I'm going to teach my family that they need to choose Jesus. And that's what we as adults in this church, those of us who know Jesus Christ as Savior, that's how we ought to live. That's how our lives ought to translate to our family members and our loved ones. I saw something that came over on Facebook or the, whatever it is the other day that says there's only one thing worse than going to hell. And that's taking your kids with you. And how many parents, grandparents, are not leading their families and teaching their families that they need to take Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? And friends, I'm not talking about joining the church. And we ought to join the church. The Lord, if you're saved, you ought to be a member of a church. You ought to be serving the church with the gifts and the talents He's given you. But that's not going to save you. And baptism, I wish we had baptized these two ladies, young ladies today, but that's not going to happen. But baptism, you can, Jerry Vine says you can get baptized so many times that you know the name of the frogs in the pond, and it's not going to save you. Those things are, are, are testimonies of what the Lord has done for us, and we are serving Him, but we get saved when we call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and ask Him to forgive us and come into our lives. Make sure your salvation. Make the decision to follow Him. To put Him as Lord of your life. Over the years I've heard terms like this or phrases like this. Uh, I am trying to live for Jesus. Or I wish I could be a Christian. Or live like a Christian. And I know those terms they mean well. But my answer to that, and if that's something that's in your mind, is that it's impossible for you to live the Christian life. It's impossible to live the Christian life because, you see, becoming a Christian is Jesus in control of me, not something I'm doing. It's so clear in, in the book of John. John chapter 14, verse 20 says, 
You are in me and I am in you. Chapter 15, verse 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. It's what Jesus does in us. Apostle Paul in his writings continually uses the term in Christ. Being a Christian is in Christ. It is Christ living in us. Christ controlling us. Christ leading our lives. It's not me doing anything except letting Jesus do his work in me. It's waking up each day and saying, Lord, I'm yours, take over. It's saying to him, open doors for me to serve you. Give me the proper words to say at the moment in time you put someone in front of me that needs to hear the good news. Joshua is saying here, I'm going to teach my family. And in this text, he's challenging Israel to do the same thing. He's challenging them, choose the Lord to be the God of your life. And through that, he's challenging you and me to do the same thing today, to put Jesus Christ, Lord, in our lives and number one. I must admit, that's very scary. We ask the question, do I really want to give Jesus Christ control of my life? Do I want him to be the final authority of every aspect of my life? Do I really want to commit my future into his hands? That's very scary when we ask that. But let me assure you once again, you have a choice to make. You will either choose Jesus to be the God of your life and in control of your life, or you will put yourself in control of your life and choose a God of your own making. Joshua's challenge to Israel is a challenge to us. Put the Lord in control of who you are in your life today. Put Him in control of your family. Put Him in control of your spouse, your career, your finances. Will you be willing to trust Him with all of your tomorrows? Are you going to ask Him for the wisdoms and the decisions that you have to be making in the days ahead? Questions of where am I going to live? How do I handle my finances? Where do I serve the Lord with the gifts and talents He's given me? You have to answer that question. Joshua said, I choose to serve the Lord. I'm asking you the same thing this morning. Are you willing to put Jesus Christ in charge of your life? Are you going to put him in charge of your decision making? Are you going to serve him? Or are you going to serve a, a lesser God? This morning, I'm convinced we have a good size attendance today, and I appreciate it so much. And I, A number of visitors, I don't know your heart, I don't know anything about you. I don't know you're standing with Jesus Christ. Even regular members, I don't know you're standing with Jesus Christ other than what you say to me. So here's a question. Do you know for a fact that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? 
Has there ever been a time in your life where the Spirit of God so spoke to you so clearly that you understood that you are a sinner and you are condemned to hell because you've never trusted Jesus? And He is asking you today to turn to Jesus Christ. Acknowledge you're a sinner and you can't save yourself. Ask Him to come in and save you, forgive you of your sins. And again, the Bible promises He will do just that. The rest of you, I'm going to assume, know Christ as Savior. That there was a time when you acknowledged you were a sinner. But you've never, ever really put Jesus number one in your life. He gets your leftovers. Can I put it that way? I don't mean to be offensive. You go to church when it's convenient. When you're called upon to serve in a committee or a teach a class or serve somewhere in the church, you really have to think about it because you're not sure you want to give your time to serve Him in such a manner. Who is Lord of your life? Who are you serving? Is it Jesus Christ or is it something or someone else? Everyone in this room will make a decision right now. I am willing to serve Jesus and Him alone, and I will give Him control of my life in every area of my life from now on. Or you will say, I'm not willing to do that. Something's more important than putting Jesus first in my life. I encourage you, no matter where you are, whether I know your name, whether it's the first time you've ever been inside this building, to say, Lord Jesus, I will put my life in your hands from now on. And if you remember here and you've really not given your all to the Lord, that today you say, I serve Jesus, Him, and Him alone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to say thank you for these few minutes we've had together. I thank you that your word is so true. And Lord, I just know right now decisions are being made. And some are going to make the right decision, the good decision to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. There's someone here today that needs to say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. And teach me what it means to be a follower of Christ. Give them the courage to stand up and walk this aisle this morning in front of this you and this group of your family. And there are some that know you, Father. They have asked Christ to be their Savior, but they've never really committed themselves to put Jesus number one. Lord, encourage them to make Jesus Christ the Lord of their life and to serve Him from now on. In our Savior's name we pray.